Welcome to a new episode of 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hall. This episode, we will be talking with David Schuyler. David is Arthur and Catherine Shattuck Professor of the Humanities and American Studies at Franklin and Marshall College. David is author of numerous books, including the award-winning Sanctified Landscape, Writers, Artists, and the Hudson River Valley, 1820-1909, and his latest from Cornell, Embattled River, the Hudson in Modern American Environmentalism. David will be discussing his new book at 7 p.m. Thursday, June 14th at the Hudson River Valley Institute in Poughkeepsie, New York. Hello, David. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, we're happy to have you on the podcast. Uh, you have a new book out with us, Embattled River, the Hudson in Modern American Environmentalism. And you have a new uh, you know, upcoming event next week, Thursday, June 14th, 7 p.m., the Hudson River Valley Institute. It's sponsored by Marist College in Scenic Hudson in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, if anyone's interested in attending that's listening to the podcast, uh, they do require registration. Uh, so you can contact them at 845-575-3052 or email at hrvi at marist.edu. So David, we want to talk a little bit about uh, your new book. And it, it chronicles the hard-won successes of environmentalists and their efforts to help protect the Hudson River. Um, the book starts in 1962. What was the state of the Hudson then, and what was the pivotal moment in that year that you focus on? Well, the state of the Hudson in the early 1960s was really terrible. Um, Stuart Udall, the Secretary of the Interior at the time, visited New York in 1964 and described the river as an open sewer. Oh. So industries, households, <clears throat> municipalities were dumping their waste directly into the river. It was uh, terrible. Um, the event that occurred in 1962 was the announcement of a plan by Con, Con Ed, uh, the utility that supplies New York City and Westchester with its electricity, uh, to build a pumped storage power plant on Storm King Mountain. And this would have defaced the northern gateway to the Hudson Highlands. And at the same time, Central Hudson Gas and Electric proposed an additional pump storage power plant on Breakneck Ridge directly across the river. So both sides of the river, this northern gateway to the perhaps the most spectacular river scenery in the eastern United States, the 15 miles where the Appalachian Spine crosses the Hudson River, would have been disfigured. Oh. And that got a lot of people really upset because they were the, the idea was that a private utility uh, was go going to disfigure a public place. Sounds horrible. So what what happened? What what uh, what was the civic upcry and and what uh, uh, what did some folks do to mobilize against this? Well, in in Late 1963, a small group organized as Scenic Hudson Preservation Conference and began challenging the Con Ed's plans. They eventually took Con Ed to court, and in 1965, the Second Circuit Court of Appeal, Appeals uh, issued a landmark decision in Scenic Hudson versus the Federal Power Commission, 
and it ruled, first of all, that Cena Cutson had standing, uh, which Con Ed had challenged. Until that point, in order to claim standing in the federal courts, you had to have already suffered economic injury. Uh, but clearly, since nothing had been built, nobody suffered any injury. But the court nevertheless ruled that Cena Cutson had standing, and this established a precedent that opened the federal judiciary to all kinds of citizen lawsuits. Wow, that's monumental. Uh, the, second, the second really important part of that decision is that the court chastised the Federal Power Commission for not taking into account scenic, historical, and cultural concerns. And third, the court mandated what effectively became the first environmental impact statement. And much of it was incorporated in the National Environmental Policy Act of 1969. Fascinating, fascinating. So you mentioned, uh, you, you chronicle the, the work of these groups. You mentioned Scenic Hudson, then there were later groups, uh, River Keeper, Clearwater, Hudson Rav River Valley Greenway, and the Hudson River Valley National Heritage uh, Area that was developed. Um, these battles that were specifically about the Hudson you say uh, they, they were the, the vanguards of the environmental movement on a national level. And you just mentioned that with the, you know, uh, the first environmental impact statement. Can you tell us a little bit more about the impact that these groups had on, on the national level? Well, in, in 1970, at the fir seven, 70, 70, the first Earth Day was 72, I believe. Okay. Uh, Clearwater sailed down to Washington and Clearwater sailed up the Hudson River, up the Potomac River. And the crew was astonished because they found that the Potomac was, if in all likelihood, uh, even more polluted than the Hudson. Uh, and the Clearwater docked um, near the Washington Monument. Pete Seeger gave a concert at the Sylvan Theater on the grounds of the Washington Monument. And then the crew went up to Capitol Hill and they lobbied Congress, which was then considering important environmental legislation. Uh, so that the mere presence of Clearwater and its crew in Washington was part of um, the support that led to the passage of the Clean, Clean Water Act. Nice. Um, what, uh, so I, I assume uh, so many of these groups are still active today. Uh, what are some of the environmental challenges that the Hudson still faces and what, what groups are leading the charge today? Well, there are several issues that involve water quality, and Riverkeeper uh, has been most focused on water quality. Um, you know, the Hudson is terribly impacted by polychlorinated biphenols, or PCBs. Uh, they were dumped into the river, in the northern end of the river, by General Electric. and Clearwater, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Riverkeeper and Scenic Hudson have been fighting for decades uh, to force GE to clean up the mess. And GE did undertake a, a dredging program in the Upper Hudson that they claim cost a billion dollars. Uh, but that only removed 65% of the PCBs in the sediment in the riverbed. And during periods of intense rainfall or spring flooding, uh, water carrying PCBs flowed over the federal dam at Troy, and now affects the entire Hudson River. So the Hudson River is the largest Superfund site in the United States. 
Wow, that's very disturbing. Um, and and PCBs are going to remain in the a problem for a generation or more to come. Nobody's going to eat fish out of the river with any kind of safety uh, in our children's lifetimes. Is there, um, are there any promising developments with, is General, it sounds like General Electric has said, hey, we've done our uh, due diligence and we're not doing anything more, um, but is, are there court battles that are still taking place to have GE foot the bill for additional cleanups? Uh, yeah, I mean, Riverkeeper and Scenic Hudson are still pushing very hard to get them to finish the job. Nice. Uh, but GE has been reluctant to do so, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I think it must be because GE dumped PCBs in a lot of other places, too, and if they come in and finish the job here, uh, people in all those other places are going to demand similar treatment, and it'll be very, very expensive for them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> very sad. Very that's sad. not the only problem. Uh, a, lot, a lot of industries along the Hudson... Uh, quite legally uh, flush chemicals and micropollutants uh, into the sewage treatment system. And the, the sewage treatment plants were not designed to filter them out so that they pass directly into the river <clears throat> and are having a, a significant effect on the fisheries. Even even things as simple as cosmetics. Cosmetics that, that people are, uh, just average consumers are putting, you know, throwing away in the, in the trash or flushing down the toilet, things like that? Or washing their faces. Oh, wow. <coughs> so how can, what can uh, listeners do to help the Hudson? I'm sorry? Uh, what, what can listeners do to help the Hudson? Support Riverkeeper and Scenic Hudson. Uh, Go to town board meetings or city council meetings and voice strong support for any effort to clean up pollution or, you know, Scenic Hudson has also been working very hard in land acquisition um, because so much of the Hudson Valley is threatened by suburban sprawl. And, you know, so we need to be very, very proactive in defending the integrity of the landscape from development. Great, great. Well, we hope our listeners uh, uh, follow through with this. And the, the uh, folks that, uh, uh, if you're interested in attending the event next week, uh, please do come. As I mentioned before, uh, David's going to be speaking at the Hudson River Valley Institute, sponsored by Marist College and Scenic Hudson. And that's in Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, this coming or next Thursday, June 14th at 7 p.m. in the Murray Student Center in Marist. And again, uh, if you're interested in, in attending, there is registration, and you'll need to contact uh, either by phone, 345-575-3052, or email hrvi at marist.edu. Well, thank you, David. It was a pleasure talking with you, and I hope you have a great talk next week. Thanks. I hope you can come. All right. I'll, I'll see if I can do it. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. All right. Take bye care. Bye-bye. That was David Schuyler author of the new book, Embattled River, The Hudson and Modern American Environmentalism. As a loyal listener to the podcast, we would like to offer you a special 30% discount if you'd like to purchase this new book on our website. 
Go to cornellpress.cornell.edu and enter the promotion code 09POD at checkout. Thank you for listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast.